everyone, welcome to another episode of Sleep Paralysis News. We're a brand new podcast and we're looking at the phenomena specifically of sleep paralysis. We're talking to guests about their experiences and we want to share the information that we have about sleep paralysis, try and support listeners and, and guide them through the experiences as we seek to uncover more knowledge and more information about this really strange phenomena. I'm here with my co-host Cyrus and Cyrus, I don't know if you want to say a couple of words. Just I'm a filmmaker out of Columbus, Ohio. I uh, have a feature film coming up titled Aimless and it's dealing with sleep paralysis. So um, I got a degree in psychology and I'm an experiencer as well. So I'm on the quest with Sheila to try to uncover deeper truths about the phenomenon. Wonderful, thank you. And we've got a really special guest here with us today. And I'm looking forward to hearing all about his experiences with sleep paralysis. And so without further ado, I would like to go straight in and speak to our special guest today. Can you talk to us a little bit about um, where the experience is or when they first started with you? Um, yeah, well, specifically with sleep paralysis, um, there's only been two encounters in my life, two experiences in my life where this has occurred. Um, about 20 years apart, and both very different, um, but with some commonalities, with some obvious commonalities. Um, I, I struggle with the term sleep paralysis because the fact is I was wide awake. I wasn't asleep in either of these incidents. Um, the first was in a property in a place called Honstanton on the east coast of England. I was 20, 20 years old. I'd not long come out of a Young Offenders Institute and I was very much, very much, um, what should I say, invested in the born again Christian movement at the time. I was very much on fire for Jesus, very much alive. I'd found, I'd, I'd had a jailhouse conversion for Christianity and that was very much where my psychology was at that time. And, um, it was very strange. I was in a, a holiday a holiday apartment with my parents. They were upstairs. I was downstairs. And um, yes, it was it was a very peculiar experience indeed. Um, I don't know if you want me to go into detail straight away. Yes, please. That would be great. Yeah. 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 Um, so so I was in this I was in this property for about a week. Uh, with my parents, having just, like I say, having just been released from young offenders. And one particular night, I, I settled down to go to sleep. I was lying in my bed. I hadn't gone to sleep yet. It was dark. The light was off. Um, and I suddenly felt this presence in the room. Um, and it was, it was a female presence. I couldn't see anything, but it was definitely a female presence. And it pinned me to the mattress. It pinned me. It, it pinned me to the bed, and it was trying to have sex with me. And it was very, and it was very intense and very, like, really full on. And I was terrified, and I didn't know what the hell was going on. Um, I couldn't speak, and I couldn't move, and I couldn't resist. 
Um, but after a certain, I don't know how long, after a certain struggle, after a period of struggle with this, with this entity, I, I managed to blurt out the name of Jesus. I managed to blurt out one word, and it was Jesus. And then it boom, vanished, it disappeared, it came, it went away. Mm. Um, yeah, it was really, it was really full on. Now, the interesting thing about that as well is that I told my parents the next day about it, and they kind of dismissed it as me being me. Um, but then many years later, when I was talking to my mother about it again, many years later, she said that she had an experience when she was upstairs the same night that I was talking about. And she hadn't mentioned it at the time because she was freaked out by it. But she had an experience. She was in bed with my dad. He was fast asleep. And she kept feeling somebody trying to pull the bed covers off the bed. And there was somebody at the foot of the bed she couldn't see trying to pull the blankets and duvets off the bed. And she kept trying to pull them back and they kept trying to pull them off. And at the time, she would, didn't. She hadn't mentioned this at the time, but then many years later, I had the conversation, and she said, "Yeah, there was something very strange about that house. There was something very peculiar about that house." So was she um, paralyzed during that experience? Was she going through sleep paralysis? Uh, I don't know the answer to that, but I don't think so. From what I recall of what she told me, I don't think so, hmm. um, because she was because she 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 did say she was trying. She was gripping the duvet and trying to pull it back as this whatever it was was trying to pull it off. So, I mean, it sounds like a classic haunting kind of experience, like the, the property itself was was the focal point. Um, and I think if I remember rightly, um, the owners of the property did say that at a later point, they did say that, yeah, we weren't the only people that had had weird encounters in that building. Um, so, and that always stuck with me as quite interesting and quite significant. Like the, the fact that I, I used the name of Jesus to end the experience was quite interesting and remains quite interesting. I've, I've got a lot to say about that subject, which probably now isn't the time or place. Um, but the second encounter that I had, the second experience of, of what I would call sleep paralysis that I had was about 20 years later and of a very different quality and within a very different context in terms of my psyche, in terms of where I was at, because I'd been spending, um, excuse me, I'd been spending about a year engaging with the practice of meditation with the intention of making contact with extraterrestrial intelligence. And the, the and after about a year of me doing this quite regularly, I had an encounter. I was living in uh, Leicester in England at the time in a terraced house, upstairs bedroom, a terraced house, nothing special. And I woke up in my bed and I couldn't move and I couldn't speak, but I was wide awake. And there were th three tall classic grey humanoids stood around me, one on each side and one at the foot of the bed. And they were all looking very intensely at the middle of my body, looking at my abdomen. Um, it would be hard for me to describe them. Um, my recall isn't very good in terms of like what they actually looked like, except that they were tall and thin. They were clearly humanoid, but clearly not human. And they were all focused very much at the middle of my body. And 
when I woke up, I, I woke up to realize this was going on. And, and obviously I was quite alarmed by this. And I was alarmed by the fact I couldn't move. The fact I couldn't move and couldn't speak was freaking me out. And I started to have a bit of a panic. Um, and suddenly they all, that they shifted their attention. They all lifted their heads from, from focusing on the middle of my body. They all lifted their heads and looked me straight in the eye and then disappeared. And then I could move again. And the impression I got, the feeling I got when they all looked at me in the face, I got the feeling that something had gone wrong, that I wasn't supposed to be conscious of, them, that, that they, they were alarmed by the fact that I'd woken up, like that wasn't supposed to happen. And then they all just disappeared. As soon as they realized, oh, we can see us, they were gone. And, and I wasn't asleep. I wasn't dreaming. There were some dreamlike qualities to the experience, which I can't deny. But, um, you know, I was wide awake. It was very, very strange. And, I mean, since then, I've had quite, quite extensive experience with the extraterrestrial paradigm, which have kind of evolved my thinking on the subject. Um, but that, is, that experience was quite scary. It was quite alarming, you know, as I'm sure you can imagine. Um, so they're the, only, they're the only two experiences of actual sleep paralysis that I've had in my life. I've got, in, I've got anecdotal experience as well from a friend of mine uh, who tragically died last year, who um, had experienced this phenomenon all his life um, and with quite frequency. And he, he, he would describe the classic thing of the woman sitting on his chest he would he would wake up regularly with this feeling of like some woman sat on his chest trying to do him harm. Um, but I've not had that as such, except for that first instance was very similar to what he described. That first instance that I had in the house would, would fall into that category. And I, I don't know I don't know how to categorize these experiences in relation to each other. What I can say, I listened to your podcast, the first podcast you did and what Cyrus was saying and the question that you asked about, you know, does your religious belief affect the quality of the experience? And it's interesting for me because the first experience, during that first experience, I was very much committed to the Christian paradigm and to the Christian mode of thinking and to the Christian belief system. During the second experience, I'd kind of moved away from that and into a more um, a more extraterrestrial focused um, kind of thinking and, and believing. And so it seems like, yes, maybe, maybe there's a, there's a kind of symbiosis between the quality of the experience and the, and the internal reality of the person experiencing it, I think. And maybe if you were into ghosts more during that time, you would have more ghost-like experience. But let me read this to you because your Jesus statement had your experience go away exactly like mine. So Luke 10, 17, the 72 returned to the joy saying, Lord, even the demons submit to us in your name. And that was what I was thinking. And I couldn't speak. That's the first. And I was like, I know I just got to say Jesus' name. I was, was getting more and more powerful. And I was able to get it out. It was gone. So is, yeah. it, is it just in my head because I was starting to believe in Christianity? And if you were more into, you know, 
haunted houses with ghosts, you know, maybe it would have been a ghost and you went to well, a demon. So, well, that's it. That's very interesting as well because as a child, I did experience ghostly visitations as a child, but not in a sleep paralysis context. Um, the, the house I grew up in as a child was clearly occupied by um, relatives from the past, and I would often wake up and see them, see them at the foot of my bed and see them in my room. But there was never any, there was never anything sinister about those encounters. There was never anything frightening or, or in any way threatening about those encounters. They were always quite pleasant, actually. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's, it's curious, isn't it? I mean, I'm, I, I don't subscribe to the Christian faith anymore. I've kind of moved away from that. Although, um, I do recognize that there is a mystic truth at the core of it that is pretty universal. Um, uh, I, I still occasionally pray to Yeshua as, as I would also occasionally pray to Shiva or occasionally pray to, to whichever whichever deity you want to pick. They're all kind of one to me these days. Um, but it is interesting that if we, if, we invest, if we invest psychological power in this talismanic name, then it has that power. You know, it's like, I'm sure, I'm sure if I'd have grown up in a, if I'd grown up exposed in a Muslim culture, the same phenomenon could have happened if I'd have shouted Allah or Muhammad. You know, it's 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 what we bring to it. It's what we bring to it. I it's think. your subconscious then, mind trying to make sense of what is happening. So whatever your subconscious mind believes, it will direct that dream or hallucination to something that's believable to you. So. Yeah, 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 for sure, for sure. So can I can I ask because you said you were engaging in like meditative kind of activities to engage with extraterrestrials. Did you continue on that journey and did you have any other kind of experiences through the meditation path? Yeah, yeah, that's been quite profound and quite remarkable actually since then. I mean, that was in 2012, that experience, that first experience. And since then, um, <laughs> Life has been exceedingly strange, and yes, I've had many. I've had many encounters of what I would call something, something intelligent, something um, inexplicable, something that defies my rationale and my understanding of what's physically possible. Something that seems to fit the extraterrestrial hypothesis. Um, these, but these have not been encounters of humanoid beings, um, more the classic kind of UFO encounters. Um, one, one of which actually really blew my mind. One was very strange because um, I, read, uh, I read the work of Dr. Greer about a year after having this experience. And he described in his book, uh, Forbidden Truth in Knowledge, he described an encounter that was exactly the same as the one I'd had a year before reading his book. And it was exactly the same. And it was very, very peculiar because I was in deep meditation. And at that time in my life, I was meditating an awful lot. Um, and I, I looked at the sky, it was in broad daylight, and something very peculiar happened that makes me sound crazy. But there you go, maybe I am. Um, the clouds in the sky 
that I, in the area of sky I was looking at, all the clouds in the skies very quickly and suddenly moved and coalesced into a shape of a face, a huge face in the sky. And I, I was looking at it thinking, well, that's a bit odd. And I kind of projected out the question, like, you know, well, what am I looking at here? Am I, is, this, is this a response? And as I thought this, as I thought, had this very thought in my head, um, a light started flashing in one of the eye sockets of this face, and it started flashing on and off. And about a year later, I was reading Dr. Greer's book where he describes an experience at Mount Shasta, I think it was, that was almost verbatim exactly the same. Um, a very strange thing indeed. And I've, and I've had many encounters I've had many encounters in a group context since then as well, where I've gone out with contact groups or with groups of friends with the intention of making contact. And we've had very anomalous things show up in the sky. And, and you know, we've had golden orbs that have come and hovered over the group. Um, we've had all kinds of weird, weird things, you know, that behave in ways that, as far as I understand, defy the laws of physics, um, you know, and they seem to be able to phase in and out of our reality at will and i've also witnessed there was one occasion um about two years ago which i think was the most recent encounter i've had actually and uh where two of these craft material i call them craft um it's a vernacular i use i don't know if that's really accurate but two of these things materialized in the sky at the point i was looking at and then as they did a, a smaller light like a satellite appeared out of nowhere and shot towards them at a rapid speed and as it got close to them they disappeared and i do suspect that that might have been a human intervention in that encounter from what from what i've come to understand about the et paradigm and the et contact phenomenon um they're in absolutely no way threatening to human beings they've got no all design on human beings at all they're really more interested in our evolution our spiritual and social evolution um but there does seem to be human there do seem to be human elements on this earth as i'm sure you know that are very invested in power and control and who have a very militarized way of looking at things um who are who are very determined to put a stop to any kind of interaction between humans and, and these visitors so um, just for, for the listeners who, who may think that we've gone off on a tandem in terms of yes, tell me about that. Yes. <laughs> extraterrestrial engagements and, and stuff, what, what we're hearing to is actually I've heard these stories so many times intertwined with the sleep paralysis phenomena. It's mm. as though people who are experiencing sleep paralysis are waking up and, and seeing entities, they're hearing things and these sounds, um, and the experience is intertwined with extraterrestrial communication and engagement with them as well, to the extent where things may be implanted in the body, they'll sleep paralysis experiences will wake up and, and see marks on them. All kinds of things are going on mm -hmm. with this sleep paralysis phenomena. But yeah. I would like to, to ask you, how do you, because you spoke about two very different experiences, how do you mm -hmm. 
rationalize? How do you make sense of the sleep paralysis experience for you? What would you say it is? Well, I have no absolute answer to that. It's it's something mysterious. Um, and any any answer I give you is going to be hypothesis, not conclusion. Sure. Um, the first the first incident, I would say, had all the hallmarks of haunting, all the hallmarks of a disembodied spirit. What I've come to understand as a disembodied human spirit that is probably still attached to that property, and probably has not been able to move on, not been able to leave. And you know, from and from what I've heard since then from other people, that property seems to have a reputation for that kind of that phenomenon so i would i would categorize that as as a haunting um whereas the second encounter i'm inclined to think was something else that was directly responding to my efforts directly responding I, like i say i'd spent a year in very uh, very prolonged and and focused meditation for a specific purpose and something responded to that intent. Something intelligent was was aware of my intentions and was checking me out, basically. Now, whether we want to call it extraterrestrial, whether we want to call it something else, I, I, I don't think any of our labels are, are adequate. You know, we're talking about phenomena that are really currently outside of all of our understanding. Um, and so, you know, we can call them demons, we can call them ghosts, we can call them spirits, we can call them extraterrestrials. We don't really know what we're dealing with. And it could and it could be a projection. It could be a projection of my psyche. It could be a, it could be something that actually is kind of constructed by my own psychology. Correct. And, and, and you know, it could well be. I don't know. It didn't feel like that to me. It felt very real to me, you know, but very objectively real. But, you know, what is real? <laughs> what And where is the line drawn between imagination and reality? We don't really know, do we? Um, so it's it's hard. It's hard to say, absolutely. I know what I believe. You know, I believe they were extraterrestrial. But that's what I've chosen to believe. That's how I've chosen to interpret the experience. I can't say with any absolute certainty that's what they were. You know, or, or that that label is an adequate label. None of that answers. Sorry to interrupt. You're continuing on this journey despite the unknowns. Well, I'm I'm fascinated by the unknown. As as far as I I said to somebody on Twitter the other day, you know, for as long as we fear the unknown, it shall remain unknowable. And so, you know, for me, I don't. I have faith. I have faith in um, a supreme consciousness, in a, in a benevolent supreme consciousness. I have faith in the essential benevolence of life, the essential benevolence of consciousness itself. So, for me, I don't feel there's a need to be um, directed by fear of the unknown. I, th I think the intellectual curiosity and openness is a much more mature and appropriate way of dealing with it and approaching it. you know if, if we if we allow us if we allow our thinking and our exploring and our investigating to be dictated to by fear then we're going to stay in the dark ages we're never going to get anywhere 
So, you know, we only, we only come to understand things by observing them and, you know, exploring them and discovering them and trying to understand them. Otherwise, we just remain ignorant. And if you had a choice not to have had those experiences, those two experiences, would you choose not to have had them or would you prefer to have had them? Oh, no, I'm very glad I had them. I'm very glad I had them. Uh, life, life is very strange. My life has been peppered with high strange and it's been bloody weird to be honest but i but i love it you know it's fascinating it fascinates me and it keeps me it keeps me going really <laughs> keeps me interested you know um i yeah no absolutely i'm very very glad to have had those experiences um and and all and all of the strange all of the strains that my life has contained i'm very happy to have it was where where there's regret involved would be maybe in my younger years when I first, when these things first started happening, if I'd have, I, I could have handled it better. In my younger years, it, it created a kind of psychological dysfunction in me that where I was constantly questioning my sanity and doubting my sanity, and it 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 created um, problems. It created problems because I couldn't handle it very well, and neither could anyone around me. Neither could any of my peers or my caregivers handle it very well either. People were afraid and people didn't want to talk about it and people didn't want to hear about it. And so I felt very isolated and very kind of rejected, I suppose, on a certain level or, or dismissed as a crazy person. Um, and that and that's a problem. You know, if, if, if a young person is going through this kind of stuff, they do need a supportive environment where they can feel comfortable talking about it without fear of ridicule, without fear of dismissal, um, or, you know, and without fear of persecution, because that because those things can then lead to bigger problems later in life, which you know has been kind of my story really. Um, but the experiences themselves, I'm utterly grateful for. Utterly grateful for. And I appreciate you sharing that because I think that that's really, really an important point that there is a, a sometimes a stigma um, and a fear that is attached with this and it can be extremely isolating. You don't know where to go with it. You can't speak to anybody. It's like your private secret and that yeah. creates an additional stress. And so... I think those words of support for anyone that's going through it, especially in terms of finding a space where you can speak openly about your experiences and you can get support. That is really, really important, regardless, I think, of what age you're going through. Um, yeah, yeah you are, sure. that's, that's really, really important. So thank you for sharing that, you know. No problem, no problem. I think it has been really an honor speaking to you and the sharing of your experiences has taken the debate to another level really the sleep paralysis um, experience and it's kind of opened one's eyes and kind of opened one's minds to to additional possibilities in terms of what's really going on here so thank you again for sharing your experiences well, Cyrus, thank, you. thank you. Thank you. For the, thank you for the opportunity because um, that, that's really appreciated. It's nice to have a platform where we can talk about these things. Wonderful. 
I thank you again. And I don't know if Cyrus has any closing remarks. Nope, I'm good. Thank you very much. Um, the fact that you only had two makes your story so much more genuine and unique. And they were that far apart. So, I mean, this your testimony is going to help um, collect more of the community to come together. Again, I'm glad that you listened to our, uh, our other podcasts. So we're all getting on the same page here. Like, hey, we're not all crazy, right? And that's kind of... <laughs> So no. well, it, something is outside. There is another dimension outside of what we can see. And that no matter what religion you are, I think that's going to be a conclusion that we can come to. Not necessarily yeah. who's the one right religion or if it's aliens or if it's trolls or ghosts. What's the but we can agree on there is something spiritual outside yeah. the physical okay. world. And when we get all these people together. You know, I think that's going to be a conclusion that's undeniable and that's going to be um, for humanity's growth of, you know, us exploring the unknown. And I believe that there is a God that has mystery and he uses that for us to gravitate to him with question. And I think that, you know, we have a lot of spiritual evolution to do here on Earth. And this topic, I believe, can help us get there. I, I agree entirely, and I think I think the what, what for me what it all comes back to is the question: um, what What are we? You know, what What am I? What are you? Because we we don't even really we can't have an answer that, can we? You know, we we remain for the most part a mystery to ourselves, and for me, all you know, this spiritual element and this kind of high strange element of life keeps bringing me back to that question. It's like, well, what? What is this human phenomenon, really? You know? Oh, yeah. It's uh, hopefully we can figure something out before, uh, <laughs> you know, <laughs> our lives, our life expectancy. During <laughs> <laughs> uh, this, this lifetime, hopefully, we'll have an answer <laughs> so we don't have to transition to find out. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you again. Thank you again. It's been wonderful. Thank you both very Thank much. You. Thank you. And, and uh, appreciate, appreciate your work. All right, then. Bye. Bye-bye.